When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, everyone? Mike Singer and Mike Goolsby here for this week's Mike Goolsby Show. A couple things to talk about, Mike. Um, I guess, you know, maybe talk some yeah. football, some Notre Dame football. I there guess. was a game last night. Yeah, there was a game yeah. last night. If, if we have to talk about it. Like Joey says, folks, please do hit the thumbs up on this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel yet if you have not done so. Um, subscribe, um, like, head to blueandgold.com, uh, promotion going on $10 through August 31st, 2023. And if you're listening via podcast, appreciate you as well. Please do leave us a kind rating if you like what you hear. Um, I'm just going to sit back and uh, <laughs> I'm just going to let you uh, go on your own. I'm going to switch the layout to a solo Mike Woolsby layout. Oh, I like to see your reactions sometimes. I can't. We're not on split screen, folks. I can only see myself. But back to the like thing real quick, the like button. You know, you go back, Mike, and like watch the shows back. The, uh, the number of views doesn't marry up with the number of likes. Like our like to viewership ratio is like lower than... Drew Pine's like completion percentage, right? It's, it's not good. Then we get 10,000 views and 600 likes. It's like that like number should be higher. But to start this off, man, like go back. How, how long ago does the off season seem, right? Like the, all the fanfare, you know, we've seen all the videos, you know, Freeman's getting picked. Is Reese going to stay? Is Reese going to follow Coach Kelly down to LSU? makes an emotional decision to return to the team uh all is well there's a little bit of leakage in the coaching staff but we've got our core group together we're gonna go kick some butt uh another thing that happened in the offseason was that killer video that isaiah foskey who up to this point has kind of been a better actor than he has been a a pass rusher throughout the course of the season but they did that fun funny spoof he and michael mayer and coach freeman on uh, the hangover, and this is to really set up the Shamrock Series game in Vegas. And, like, the irony isn't lost on me, bro. Like, we came into this Stanford game hungover from said BYU game. Uh, it's so ironic. Um, but it was that was a bad loss, an uninspired team, uh, a lazy crowd. And, folks, I'm running out of excuses because I've always said, Mike, as long as you and I have been doing this, those day games at Notre Dame Stadium can be somewhat difficult to get up for as a player. But this was a night game, and to come out that flat, I don't have an excuse. I'm going to spend the next hour trying to come up with some, you know, different hypotheses and theories as to what's going on. But that was a, a really bad loss. You know, I'm texting Tim Hyde all day. And, uh, you know, you like to say sometimes in football, Mike, out of all the uh, collo colloquialisms that there is, like, it's not how you start, it's how you finished. So how did we start this game? 
Like, you know, your captain, like, well, with a false start. We started the game first, first play, false start. So it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Well, how we finish the game? You know, taking a sack, uh, you know, two and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. We got to go down and at least kick a field goal to tie the game up. We get the ball with two minutes and 30 seconds on our end zone. That takes us a, a minute and a half. I'm sorry? That would have been a win, right? 16-14. Well, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we take a sack. We throw the ball on a six-yard stop route on a fourth and eight. So it was bad to start, and it was bad to finish, and it was just a lot of uh, – it was just a crap sandwich, man. It was a bad game. Where is there one area that you think you can put the biggest blame, whether it's Pine, the sure. position group, Reese, Golden, Freeman? I'm not um, I'm, for me, I, you know, I, I kind of just I think it's just if you have a well oiled machine that's not clicking, this is what happens. And I, I, I think there was a Pine did not have a good game, but I think there was a lot more than just Pine that struggled offensively for their Irish. Um, so what do you think, Mike? Well, what's well, not going to be, we're not going to be overly critical, but Pine yeah, played like trash. Thing. Pine, Pine was bad. And if, if, if everybody's going to throw Tyler Buckner, a first time starter underneath the bus, he can't do this. He can't do this. We need Pine. Uh, Tyler Buckner would have won us that game. There's multiple instances where he would have, I mean, there's a, there's a play in the second quarter where, I think it's third and 18 and Pine takes off. Uh, this is after they took the the, the touchdown away because Tyree wasn't off or on the line of scrimmage. We get back, you know, Pine scrabbles for a 16-yard gain. Then we go to the fourth and two jet sweep to uh, Thomas. Pine would, or excuse me, Buckner would have scored on that play, um, just on that scramble play. He would have scored. So uh, Pine played horrible. Pine played horrible. Um horrible like he missed Lindsay deep it's, 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 it, he missed merriweather deep he missed styles two or three times he missed his i mean him and him and michael mayer have such like a symbiotic connection they're best friends i mean just imagine the hundreds of not thousands of balls those two have thrown and caught together and he's missing mayor when it counts um so pine had a bad day took a sack the worst time possible to close the game out. We're maybe going to put some points up before the end of the second half. He gets strip sacked, just a bad game. Um, so he gets a lot of the blame just to keep everything 100, as the kids would say. If Tyler Buckner is going to have to get beat up in the media and get beat up on message boards and get beat up by Notre Dame fans, then, then it's, uh, it's time to it's it's Pine's turn to like kind of get brought up behind the woodshed. So Pine played like shit. The offensive game plan was terrible. Um, we're back to that sort of dysfunction of what are we like? What what are we? What is our identity? I mean, up to this point, it's like get a couple yards on first and second down, hopefully, and then we're going to throw it to Michael Mayer. I started to track, and I know Tim will do a better job than me. I don't have the attention span, but like, I think we went to Michael Mayer six, seven, eight times on third down. I mean, that's our offense. And furthermore, you know, the broadcast and people are like, well, they're taking Michael Mayer away. Not necessarily. They left him in one-on-one -on -one coverage. It wasn't like they had him bracketed. I mean, you had a safety over the top, but he doesn't run deep routes typically anyway. It was one-on-one -on -one coverage. 
Um, I think they keyed on them more than sure, sure. BYU, but yeah, there, there were still plenty of one-on-one opportunities for sure. There were still plenty of one-on-one opportunities, and if he wasn't covered, um, you know, Pine missed some reads. So I've heard a lot of people say it, and it's true. I mean, if this offense isn't just so, if the play and the execution isn't just so, isn't just perfect, we can't execute. Like, Pine can't get it done. And you've heard me say this, Michael. When I talk about that, like, element of backyard ball, a little bit of spontaneity, you need that. You need a guy that can create plays, and we don't have it. And I do want to get into, like, quarterback recruiting and this yeah. whole picture. But uh, And the defense, again, I guess played good. I mean, based off of, like, the point total. Um but yeah, there's just, it's not like, I don't know. I can't recall the last time that we've just had a three and out on defense. Boom, give the ball right back to the offense. It's always like a, we're giving up six yards on first down. You know, they'll get a couple first downs, then we get them off the field. Yeah. Um, another game without any interceptions or anything like that. Um, I think there was one tip pass looking at the statistics on the defensive side of the ball. I think we had one sack. You know, and Stanford's offensive line isn't good, plus they're missing some starters. So just a classic example, Mike. Dude, one of these weeks, let's just not film this Sunday night and we'll just go back and we'll play the the critique of the breakdown of, like, the Marshall game and we'll just, like, dub in Marshall for Stanford. Because, like, we are literally going to have almost the same talking points. It's almost going to be a verbatim discussion of what we've done you know, half a dozen times before. Yeah. Coming off these weird losses. When you said the three now thing, my, I was thinking, no, they, they, no, just one three now. Yeah. I thought yeah. there would have been more. So it's, and some of that stuff, like, you know, we love, I love to talk linebackers. I mean, again, JD Bertrand, I, I root for the kid. He does play super hard. But the more and more you dial into the, the, the run game, our run defense schematically, Kids are misaligned. Like if a kid's supposed to be in a 30, let's let's say he's supposed to stack the guard, like he's he's half a yard too far to the right or to the left where he gets cut off. And then sometimes there's no place to spill the ball to. If we're forcing the ball, let Kali flow over the top, there's no force. You know, they ran a shovel pass and like JD fell down, and then he's supposed to force the ball back to Kali and he jumps inside. It was just like ugh. Like, it makes me sick. I watch. I've turned into a masochist, bro. Like, I've watched this game three times. Three times I've watched this game. Um, and, yeah, it's just really – I'm not even, like, as upset or, you know, angry as I was after the Marshall loss. I'm, like, kind of just bummed, man. It's just so disappointing, you know? That was me and Tim after the game. It's just like, we really got to come in here and talk about this shit. Like, really – yeah. And I don't, like I said, I don't like to get into the, um, I don't want to be that guy that gets into like X's and O's and we don't really have the format to kind of do it and do it well. Um, but it's just like our offense is if we're going to throw the ball, everybody goes vertical and then you run, you have some sort of one-on-one crosser underneath this year, this week, we tried to run some inside power where the guard doesn't pull and you know, I can never get my fingers right on the screen. He doesn't pull and kick out. He kind of wraps up, and we're supposed to hit that downhill. Right. And it's like you're playing right into Stanford's hands. Like, they're not the most athletic defense. Um, back to our defense, 
what's this running back's name for Stanford? I can never remember his last. Philskin? Philpin? Philkins. Philkins. So we gave up almost 100 yards to a white running back named Casey Philkins, you know, who also happens to be their punt returner. So let's now talk. go back to talk about our offense. Casey Philkins can take 31 carries and return ha- handle punt return duties. And we've got to rotate three backs still. You, you know what I'm saying? Like if Casey Philkins can manage the load for a Stanford versus a Notre Dame defense, I'd like to assume that we could maybe cut down that rotation to two backs, you know, whether it be Estime, who disappeared for most of the first half, um, and or Diggs. And then let's use Tyree as a kind of a gadget guy. But like the offensive rotation, this syncing up the play call with the personnel that's in the backfield all season has never made sense to me. Um, so it's bad, but on the plus side, we got to see Tobias Merriweather, Mike. Dude, I was wrong on that one for sure. What do you mean you're wrong? Well, my thought was, I I was kind of backing the coaches being like, they're not playing him. I guess they have a good reason, right? Because he's more talented. We know he's more talented than Matt Salerno, which who, who I don't think really played last night. I think he's more talented than Jaden Thomas. Mm-hmm. I think he's more talented than Brain Lindsay, but it's just a matter of, you know, bring him along and all that kind of crap. But yeah, he showed a little bit of polish on that where on his touchdown catch where, again, you know, this bro as a possession guy, you know, like where he stemmed inside wide. This up, corner. He made that. Yeah, he made that corner flip his hips like that was pretty impressive to me. There's a little and bit of skill. All there. that pine over through him. I want to say I want to say Merriweather was working through the slot and it was, a you know, kind of like a. You know, he worked outside. It was, it was a thing of beauty. Um, so I either said that the coaches, you just got to trust them or they're idiots. Yeah, Coach Jason Garrett called that a inside fade. I would call that just fucking up and out. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah so Pine, Pine I, I was bad. Made the wrong call. I, 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 or, or maybe just in a, in a, in a week he's – magically gotten ready I, I don't know but mike we have a few super chats so we're gonna um we're yeah, gonna these and folks if you do drop a super chat this is only if you're watching live on youtube um anything that you want us to discuss um, we will go ahead and do that so milton fan says mike g do you th- do you feel it's difficult slash hard to criticize tommy reese since you are both former alum not saying you go easy on him just curious Milton's reading my mind a little bit and we are going to talk about Reese and I'm going to be more critical of Reese as a recruiter than I am a play caller because a lot of this, you know, it is a 50, 50 balance Milton between the play call and the execution. Right. Um, I don't think that Reese's play calls seem to leave like any wiggle room for any sort of like chaos created. It's like, this isn't a video game. Like this is life stuff happens. People miss blocks, whatever. Um, I have a difficult time criticizing Reese and criticizing coach Freeman for a lot of reasons because I'm an ex player. Like it's just not in my nature to talk poorly about my coaches. It's much easier for me to go in on players, AKA like my teammates than it is for me to go at my coach. It just, it's almost like a respect thing. That's just like been drilled into me. Um, but no, it doesn't have anything to do you know, I've got Coach Reese's cell phone. We've talked a couple times. Like, I don't really have a, a you know, strong relationship with the guy. I root for everybody, but um, I do think sometimes he needs to get out of his own way. Like that fourth and two call, I don't hate it at face value. I don't hate that jet sweep. 
I might have had somebody else carry the ball, maybe yeah. like a Styles, maybe a little bit, you know, quicker twitch, more sudden athlete. But then also it's like, I, I swear we got a 230-pound running back that I feel fairly confident we can pick up two yards off tackle or something there. So it's stuff like that that just kind of drives me nuts. And then with Reese, it's like, I thought we had an identity. We're like in, we're a, a power run team and we go play action. I thought that was our identity and I thought it worked. And then this week we're back to like, you know, 13 personnel and or empty. It's just, there's, there's no consistency in like the, the, the statistics like shows that proves that out, dude, we average like 23 points a game bad. And I know he doesn't have a full cupboard. And this is like, I've kind of been defending Reese. He doesn't have a lot of weapons to work with. Why doesn't he? Well, Coach Kelly was a lazy recruiter. And I think that Reese has some of that in his you know, DNA. And guess what? In the NFL, Mike, you don't have to recruit. Yeah. So I don't think we see Coach Reese back next year. And I think that'd probably be a, a mutual breakup. <laughs> Say it again, Goose. Be full screen. Uh, is that is that a hot even a hot take? I don't know. No, I think I think this is you know I think uh, yeah I think uh, and again I don't and I don't know if folks know who Bill Reese is. Do you know who Bill Reese is? That's yeah, Tommy yeah. Reese's father. Yeah, Bill Reese has been in and out of the NFL around the NFL its entire coaching slash scouting slash executive career. I mean, there is an absolute, the same way Jack Collinsworth, AKA Ichabod Crane had a runway to get into the booth at NBC. Um, Reese already has that runway. He's just, we're just biding time till he gets to the NFL in whatever capacity. So I don't see him back. All right. Chris says for the first time I'm over Freeman area, Steph's garbage. Fire everyone. Are you on the fire everyone train, Mike? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But it's just, you know, Tim and I were texting. You know, we hang whatever, 20-something points on BYU. They go play Arkansas next week. Arkansas scores 52. I'm just so tired of watching run-of-the-mill FBS football programs score 40 points. It's like everybody else can do it. It's just like, what is the deal? I don't, I do, I do not understand it. You know, it, that's like, it's just maddening. Like, how can we not? How can you? Prince Kali shows up, you know, gets a little bit of run today. Prince Kali blocks a punt, and then statistically, Mike, somebody could dig into this, but I know statistically, if you're on the team that gets a punt blocked, the odds of you winning are like. 87. Negative one percent. I mean, it's like you're not going to win if you get a, a punt block. So we block a punt and we still lose the game, and we don't even we don't even kick a field goal after that. It's just like what? It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. All right, we are going to hear from our sponsors. Oh, he's <laughs> locker room. I think this is Mike's favorite part of the show. Um, learning a little bit about. Um, Augie's locker room. If you are looking for that perfect gift for that Notre Dame fan or for yourself, there's one place to go, and that is Augie's locker room, which is located less than a mile away from Notre Dame Stadium and was named the best Notre Dame's collectible in the country. If you are a passionate Irish fan and you're looking for that special Notre Dame piece to complete your rec room, go to augieslockerroom.com. 
want, they have a wide selection of Notre Dame Stadium pieces, jersey helmets, hel- uh, jerseys, helmets, autographs, one-of-kind Rockney items, exclusive Joe Montana signed items, um, which you can a- actually see on the screen right now. So that's uh, that's a good timing there. Augie has partnered with famous sculptor Jerry McKenna to be the exclusive dealer of his Notre Dame bronze statues, the statues you've seen around the stadium, Augie has Jerry McKenna's artwork for sale in his store as well. And if Augie doesn't have it in his store, he will find it for you. Visit AugiesLockerRoom.com or stop in at 1811 South Bend Avenue and see the vintage helmet display dating back to 1890. AugiesLockerRoom.com or call them up 574-277-NDND. Okay. One time, Mike, I moved, right? I moved several times, but I paid somebody, I paid a company to move me right move my things and i had several of these like uh big tupperware bin, bins full of like a lot of my nd gear oh. and somebody stole them no yeah because the move probably like, the load. <laughs> probably Dude, I'm so so yeah if augie can find stuff augie can you find like all i have for my notre dame career i have my helmet and that's really about it can you, go you know it? if notre dame beats clemson can you wear the helmet for the for the for the whole show on sunday You think yeah, as long as I can get my ear thing in, sure, why not? If it leads to more super chats, we got bills to pay, folks. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I need to track down Augie. I'll be at that Clemson game. Maybe I'll just wear it to the game. Sneak on the field, Mike. Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe throw a, a wig on you and, you know, wear number eight. Can you be Maris Lefo? Um, I'd have to try. <laughs> Okay. All right, Dan Muller. I'd have to try. Yeah. He says, offense coordinator, dive play, dive play, then option route to Mayer. Estimate doesn't play till second half. Tobias gets three plays wide open twice and back to the bench. Now, the Tobias one, yeah, you would think after the touchdown, it's like, all right, let's roll with the hot hand here. That was confusing. With the with the estimate thing, so pull up the stats here. You had estimate eight rushes, 57 yards, touchdown. Diggs, nine rushes, 57 yards. Tyree, eight for 35. Yeah. I really think, Mike, in this modern-day college football, you have all these talented players. You want to keep them. You you just play all of them and, and to try to keep them happy. Um, going back to, like, why estimate isn't playing, like, I think they're trying to keep him fresh for when the defense is more worn down and that's why they're starting with digs and tire digs or Ty, and or Tyree. I, I understand where it's coming from, but still if estimates, you know, maybe your second best player on your offense, like um, offense. And more, and more important, more importantly, um, football is a meritocracy, right? Like you sort of like earn your playing time. You, you with me on that? And it's like, what we're doing, everything is equitable. Like Houston Griffin still plays. Like why? What has he done in recent history, if, if, if ever, to earn reps to be on the field at Notre Dame Stadium? So like the way they're doing this rotation, it's like equitable versus being doled out off of merit. And then the other thing about estimate. I think I've said this the last two weeks. I get the sense that he has a little bit of that Kyron Williams, just kind of like heart um, 
in his DNA. So like the team is flat. There's no juice. The stadium's flat. It's like, maybe he can spark us. Right. Versus like, well, well, no, I've got, I've got this play drawn up for digs. I've got this play drawn up. Like, okay, you got to be able to like take the whole thing into account coaches and be like, we got nothing going on. Who can give us a spark outside of Michael Mayer, you know? So I think if for that reason alone, you know, estimate should be kind of like your lead guy. Cause I do feel like he brings more energy and more juice um, to the team. Did we see much two back sets? I feel like I don't nope. recall. I don't know. And I, it works. But yeah, to your point about to the to the super chat there in regards to Tobias, um, like you'll you'll watch college football, Mike, and there's oftentimes they'll run the same play back to back. Like we had success or we just missed it. They'll call the same play again. It's like if Tobias, if hell, if Tobias, if Tobias only knows two routes then let him go out there and run those two routes if he's getting open. And the way teams play us, and Tim will talk about this until the cows come home, but the way teams play Notre Dame is they flood the box, and they dare Drew Pine and his noodle arm to push it further than 35 yards down the field. He overthrows, he overcompensates, he either overthrows or he underthrows. He had more underthrows today than he did overthrows. And I think, I actually watched the game again for the third time, dare I say, Jack Cohen's a, might be a better athlete than Drew Pine. And I looked up, I was like, what did Jack run Jack run his 40 in? Jack Cohen ran his 40 in a 4-9 uh, at the uh, combine. And he was a scholarship lacrosse kid. Like, I'm really disappointed at the lack of athleticism. We knew he didn't have any height. We knew he didn't have a strong arm. But uh, yeah, that, that little clip I sent you and Tim, like the pocket's collapsing around him and he just like falls forward. Uh, like he just like fell down. It was like, ugh, it's brutal, man. Do you want to get and in? Then the, other, the, you know, the killer thing is too. The killer thing is too. Uh, I know a lot about Stanford's quarterback now because, like, I know he went on this mission trip to wherever. Of course, I forgot. I, I've met his wife now during the broadcast. Beautiful, right? Beautiful couple. I'm glad I'm watching Stanford. I'm glad I'm seeing wedding photos of the opposing quarterback during an NBC broadcast for a Notre Dame game. But their quarterback, six six, two thirty, stud. You know. Stud, five nine, one ninety seven. Brutal. Who's Any more fault? super chats? Whose fault is that? You well, do you want to get in? You want Pine to be six three? Get, get why don't you get all your other Pine shots out? Well, just get just get them all out. Just get, go ahead, get them all out. Do I want Pine to be six three? Of course I do. Yeah, well, it's not. It's not what, what do you want him to do about it? Well. Th- <laughs> Stand on his uh, Stay, put a book back there. Why is he? Why is he here? Why is he here? Why is he the starting quarterback at Notre Dame? That's the discussion. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's gonna everybody's gonna poo poo on on Tyler Buckner this and that. Dude, but it's like folks poo pooing on Tyler Buckner. I don't not think anymore. He... Not anymore. But after you know, after he gets thrown yeah, to the like, wolves, like you know this. We've been doing this long enough. You know football. When a team loses. Unless they had a really good offensive game, it's you're attacking the quarterback, the offense coordinator, the head coach. That's it. Defense. Nobody's going. At, nobody's going after the head coach. But I just, oh, I'm, you, I'm you telling read you, our chat, then, man. Everybody's saying fire him, call Matt Rule. I can't see the chat, Mike. All, all I can see is you. you mop I'm, on the top of your head. I'm informing you that I mean, this is just, it's just how it goes. You know, it's just, this is what it is. 
but it's bad. I mean, but I'm but I'm saying, but everybody went at like, okay, Tyler can't do this. Tyler looks nervous. He can't throw. He can't do this. It's like I'm telling you. And you were like, well, I can't tell who has the stronger arm. It's like, do you? That's intellectually dishonest for for you to be like, I can't tell who has a better, who has a stronger arm, who has a quicker release. If you if you can't see that, I got to get you coached up. I'll tell you that I'll take Drew Pine's release over Tyler Buckner's every single day of the week. For sure. Mechanically, Drew Pine is superior to Tyler Buckner. Now you're talking arm strength, like who can throw the ball farther? I'm talking about who can put zip on the ball in terms of like that ball goes, you know, a 40-yard, all 40-yard throws are not the same. One gets there quicker, one gets there with less of an arc, right? That's what I'm talking about with somebody can whip a ball, you know. Like Mike Vick didn't have a great uh, great mechanics, Right. And all these quarterback gurus and stuff like that. I mean, like old school quarterback play isn't even a thing anymore. Like they used to take you to step into your throw and all that. Now they now like watch Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers throw a ball. They leave their feet. They're up on their tippy toes. It all comes from your hips now because the pockets are so condensed. Drew Pine needs a huge clean pocket. He's super short. His legs are very far apart and he needs that big windup. Sure, it looks pretty at a seven on seven deal, but for real life football, it ain't it, man. I'm telling you, they're teaching quarterbacks to throw off a narrow base and it comes from your hips. Watch Aaron Rodgers, though. He's always on his tippy toes to get even more lift on the ball. So I think that's the solution. Get Pine some taller cleats and um, let him be taller back there. Well, I, I, I I am not, I would not concede that in the 15 to 20 yard range that, that Pine's a better thrower of the football than Buckner. I would not concede that at all. Oh, let's talk five to ten, baby. Let's talk five to ten range. Maybe like that's 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 Drew Pine's wheelhouse. Five to ten, man. Forget fifteen to twenty, dude. That's a little risky proposition for me. You know, forty plus. Forget about it. So, Mike, you're very, you know, not a big Pine fan. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just defending Tyler. No, it's not that. I'm just, I'm literally just defending Tyler Buckner more so than I am going in on on Drew Pine. Like I, I was rooting, I was so excited for for Tyler Buckner, and I need to let it go. I need you to, called a noodle arm. I mean, that's a personal. I mean, that has nothing to do with Tyler Buckner. Well, I'm saying because you said that Drew Pine had as strong, if not a stronger arm than Buckner. It's, that's why I said that. I I, I think again, in the underthrown balls, underthrown balls all over the place this past this past game. If it's not a crossing route to Mayer, but you I mean, also they, they, they've done that so many times where literally Mayer just goes like this and the ball's perfect. They've done that so many times they could do it in complete darkness. They have just they're they're synced up. But if it's anything outside of that, it's not it's not great. I mean, I didn't love that ball to Tobias. It was a little underthrown. Tobias had to cradle it as wide open as he was. And that ball needs to be on a on a line. It needs to be a rope versus you know these. Uh, anyways, let's move on to something else, Mike. Not yet, now we're criticizing touchdown passes. They're few and far between, Mike. Let's just take one and we can get them. <laughs> That's fair. Very fair. Tim says, "Is uh, is it too soon to discuss who sits during the bowl game? Assuming there will be one." Tim, I don't know. I would assume Mayor doesn't play, and I I don't know what else, who else. Um. Uh, probably your boy Lindsay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding. 
Um, yeah, it, it would be it would be Mare if any if anything, and I would enti- completely respect that decision. And furthermore, like going back to Coach Reese, like he owes Mare some money in terms of like if if Mayor wasn't in this offense, you know, we we have I mean Reese is getting fired or I mean we have no offense without Michael Mayer. It's almost like, you know, when we saw with uh it's almost akin to like when Kevin Sumlin was at Texas AM and he had Johnny Manziel and he caught lightning in a bottle, right? Johnny Manziel wins the Heisman, Kevin Sumlin gets a promotion, and then I, I couldn't even tell you where Kevin Sumlin's coaching now, but he made tens of millions of dollars off the back of Johnny Manziel in that one magical season, you know? She was fired shortly thereafter, but he can, you know, the All check right. still got cash. We got the crack staff looking up Kevin Sumlin, producer extraordinaire. Nice uh, please drop in the, uh, in the comments if you're live with us where kevin someone is coaching i will be stunned if anyone gets this and don't look it up don't look it up don't be a little turd but is that did you understand that 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 case study that i'm using here in terms of reese and mayor and mayor's importance to that offense as like again man's a different position playing quarterback but Dude, what where where's their name like seriously what's the record if they don't have either I mean, we're only averaging 22, 23 points a game or whatever it is. Are they Yikes. like – are they one and five? Like, they maybe just be – I think it was the Cal game where he had a couple catches. I mean, so are they one and five? Gosh. So, but, yeah, we can talk quarterback recruiting. You know, I think – A couple more Super Chats, Mike. Yeah, please. Maltavia says Mark Stream is visibly upset in the post-game press presser, rightfully so. Pep rally before the game. Freeman said these guys won, and I quote, and I quote, pretty bad, elbow flat. So Freeman saying that the guys on the team want they like the pregame pep rally. I don't know. Okay. Uh I heard bits and pieces of the presser. I think that pep rallies. What's what's a fun analogy? I think like Mike, if you get your wife flowers every Sunday, it becomes a little less special, right? Sure. So I think there's the spontaneity um makes it cooler, right? So it's like let's have a pep rally before the Clemson game, sure. But before the Marshall game, before the Stanford game, I don't know. Dude, I think they're ridiculous. Why are they the day before the game? Why do we do them? They used to be when I was there. It was the night before the game. Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I'm pretty sure it was like before the home opener. They did a pep rally the night before, and they did that thing that they. Uh, I don't get it. This isn't high school. We don't need pep rallies. What the hell? Go do it after the game. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, people are talking about the Kevin Sumlin thing. He is in the USFL. Um. He is the head coach and general manager of the Houston Gamblers. So, so can somebody else look out what look up what his buyout at Texas A and M was? Let's go to the next super chat. What are his, what is his what was his buyout to leave A and M? Susan, um, a fan of the show, she yeah, asked, hey Susan, execution a result of poor coaching or talent level, or the simple answer both. Um. I think it's like when we get to execution, there has to be a standard. Um, 
and that's like coaching like you teach that's drilled in the off season the stand the standard in terms of how we play so but to have like a captain jumping off sides twice now in the season that like notable false start penalties from Jarrett Patterson but yeah execution comes down to like being taught the standard this is the way we do things and then from there it's execution that's a, that falls into the player's lap it's just like you know when Chris Tyree is on he's supposed to be off or vice versa that's on Chris Tyree right um and I'm sure that that was reinforced you know throughout the course of the week but yeah execution comes at, to a degree it's coaching but ultimately it comes down to the player to like make a tackle or whatever um I don't think the coaches need to get you up for games I've heard that before where teams come out flat you know that was a big critique of Brian Kelly like teams would come out flat so I'm not a huge believer in that like a pep a pregame speech isn't gonna isn't gonna be resonating in my in my mind when it's you know fourth and two and I got to make a stop as an inside linebacker I'm not thinking about that so I don't know if that answers Susan's question but thank you for it yep thanks Susan uh, uh, one from Eric as I think people are more frustrated with Tyree starting over the other backs and doing nothing yeah and I, I still like Tyree I'm still a fan of him and I still think he's going to play in the NFL I just do just because he's his skill set really fits smallish like you, you see Tyree playing for the Chiefs or something like that. You could just see it. Yeah. Um, but it pains me to watch him run the ball in that he runs to the sideline, stops, da, 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 always stops his feet, will turn, and then he goes upfield. It's like, can somebody work with him on like staying square and being able to carry his momentum? Like his his speed is his best asset. It gets to the hole almost too quick in terms of the timing of setting up the play has to stop and then start. It's like, how do we get him to sync it up and actually hit something, um, you know, perfect timing-wise? So, but I, I just think that, like, in this game, you were flat. It was it was noticeable. It was tangible. There was no energy. And it's like, that's when I would just probably lean on Estime and just let's get the, let's get the motor turned over and let's just start hammering the ball and let's just get some positive momentum. And I think just whatever it is about estimated his demeanor, his makeup, I think he can really provide that for the team. Eric, appreciate the super chat, Mike. We got three more. We're going to go rapid fire here. Yeah. Um, Andrew, uh, fan of the show, appreciate the super chat. Um, he says, I hate being negative, Mike and Mike, but is this the weakest quarterback room in modern Notre Dame history? So let's go last, I don't know, like 20 years. I'll, I'll I'll put you in the modern category, Mr. Goolsby. Again, R.I.P. Lou, man. Where's I Lou know. when you need him, dude? Uh, but he, um, yeah. Every episode, right? I mean, there's at least one instance. It's like, well, gosh darn it, I need that guy. Um, it's definitely up there. I mean, when I was there, there was we had Carlisle Holiday that was hurt, and our only backup was a walk-on Pat Dillingham, um, who I would still take over. Drew Pine, <laughs> forgive me, but uh. That was pretty bad. I mean, it was less than ideal. And there was just, there wasn't um, some guys that transferred out, you know, switched positions. So, like, my recruiting class, we had four, uh, four quarterbacks, one transferred out, one moved to safety, and one moved to tight end. Um, but that was pretty bad. But yeah, this now, uh, Andrew, is it's not ideal. And then you couple that with the the lack of depth in the wide receiver room, and it's like, 
what's going on here? So when we get back into recruiting, like I, I'd love to see Jeremiah love commit Mike, love to see that, you know, another weapon to add to the arsenal, but I'm kind of, not that I'm tired of it, but it seems like so many of Freeman's signees are on the defensive side of the ball, linebackers and defensive line. It's like, how many offers do we have out to wide receivers? Like let's offer 50 more of them. Like let's get the offers out there. We need the numbers. Three commits at receiver. I think they'll get a fourth and Tayshawn Lyons, Dylan Edwards, nice. and Jimmer I love can both play receiver. Yeah. Um, and you got a really good tight end commit. Um, so I just recruiting, man, it's it's like one of these things you've just seen it so many times that you're like, there's nothing about those three receivers right now that's saying that they're gonna flip anywhere, but it's just like I just want to see them sign on the dotted line before I get too excited, you know, because it's a damn good receiver class, dude. It really is. Um, no, and, you're, and you, you know, it's an easy sell. I mean, it's an easy sell. I remember when I was uh, in high school in like University of Illinois, I'll remember sitting there like in my kitchen phone, you know, the old like the, wire, the wired or the landline and like the whoever was recruiting me from Illinois was like, well, you'd, pl you'd play right here. You'd be playing right now. And I was like a junior in high school. I'm like, well, not going to Illinois. You know, if that's like your standard of play, and Illinois was bad, bad back then. They're having a great season now with Coach Bielema. Um, but that's the messaging to these commits, Mike. Is like, hey, Jaden Greathouse, like you see how bad we need you, and you're going to come in here and be a star. So that's the I'm sure the narrative that they're creating, and I think that's uh, a true narrative. I don't even think it's a uh, recruiting BS. I mean, it's it's true. We need you. But still, Notre Dame can't get a quarterback in this class, which is oh man. Which this we're we're getting through these uh, super chats, and we're gonna talk quarterback recruiting. Uh, Beefstick is um, not happy about the team. We'll just leave it at that. Thank you for the super chat, though. Dan Moeller says, uh, Mike, just give me a name in a couple sentences here. It, it, say Reese does go. Give uh, an offensive coordinator name and what? Um, I, I can't answer that. Dan, I, I don't have an intelligent answer. I feel bad. I don't I don't know enough to give it a give it an honest answer. Bring back John McNulty, baby. I don't know. I always like McNulty. Yeah, yeah. no, McNulty. I talked to Coach McNulty, got his phone. I actually emailed him two two weeks ago. But uh I I would like to see either somebody younger and creative or somebody older and more established. I need either that's like I want somebody with some that gray hair factor, or I, I want somebody that's just kind of novel. Um, and I think it'd be, I think a younger a younger OC would be easier to lure to another damn just because of it's amazing to have that on your resume. But I don't have any good names, Dan. I apologize. All right, we just had a couple super chats come in from Mike and Adam. If you guys have questions, um, drop it and uh, make sure I. Make sure I catch them. Um, okay, so yeah, let's talk quarterback recruiting. So this roster on scholarship, you have true freshman Steve Angeli, sophomores Ron Paulus, practice squad arm. Um, How dare you? And Tyler Buckner. How dare you? You're going to come at me for saying Drew's got a noodle arm? He's a practice That's Ron Paulus' son, Mike. I don't think he's going to play. Do you think he's gonna play? I don't. I I, I don't know. Troll, Mr. Goolsby, you're bringing out your Mike Singer energy. I love it. 
Uh, and then you got Junior Drew Pine. That's it. Going back to the, you know the, uh, you know, the the weak quarterback room. It's 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 not a deep one. Three dad bods. That's what that is. Three dad bods. How dare you disrespect my boy Steve Angeli? Um, Three dad bods. So I can just easily see Steve Angeli. You know, you 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 tread lightly, Mister Goolsby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's not a lot of quick twitch out of those three. There's not a lot of dynamic Ooh. traits out of those three. And I like Angel. I think he throws a nice ball. I think he's a a sneaky athlete. But it's a lot of the same things we said about uh, our boy Drew Pine. So yeah, it's bad. But let's get into like. All right, I'm, I'm reading your notes yeah, regarding yeah. quarterback recruiting. Who you putting the blame on? Okay. So, Mike, please help me stay on track here. I got you. So, I wrote down, quarterback, regarding quarterback recruiting, it's Reese's fault. I, so, Tommy Reese, based off of his upbringing and background, and he's a bit of a blue blood, as is Drew Pine, right? No fault of their own. But for – and even Steve Angeli goes to Bergen Catholic, probably from a well-to-do area out there in Jersey – they're a natural fit to go play quarterback at Notre Dame. Would you agree with that, Mike? Just based off the background, you know, they went to prestigious high schools. It just makes total sense. For a kid from Connecticut, Drew Pine and what his dad does for work, and it's just like they're blue bloods. It's a natural fit to go play quarterback at Notre Dame. Um, Brian Kelly, this is just my hypothesis, Brian Kelly – Massive ego, pretentious, pompous asshole that he is. Brian Kelly, also lazy recruiter. Brian Kelly didn't want a five-star Dante Moore potential like ego there, right? Like these kids are, they're thinking about, I'm about to make tens of millions, hundred million dollars in the NFL. That's their goal. And they have a team around them, typically. Like they got people, they got a posse. Um. So Brian Kelly doesn't want that ego, and he's a lazy recruiter. So, like, you kind of mix all this stuff together. Reese has some of that BK in his DNA, and I feel like that, like, if Coach Reese is going to offer one of these five-star kids, I don't think that he has the motor to go after him. And I think in the back of his mind, he's upset at the kid. Why wouldn't this kid want to come play at Notre Dame, right? Because it was such a natural fit for Coach Reese to go play there. Does that make sense? They understand with that blue blood, blue blood background what Notre Dame is, what it can do for your career, networking, all those things. They automatically get that. Some kid from Texas, the state of Texas or whatever, he might not have that full understanding and grasp of the power of, of Notre Dame. And it's not just going to be like, oh, please, let me go play there. Your boy, McC uh, who's the kid that's committed? Uh, his name's escaping me. Uh, Lloyd Carr, uh, Carr, yeah, CJ Carr. CJ Carr gets it. He gets it. He does, right? He's a bit of like not a blue blood, but like he gets it. He's like, I'm absolutely going to go play a quarterback. He's a. That's very very rare. You feel me on that? Like a Jimmy Clausen, gets it. You know, he's he's out there in California. Like he gets it. So it's a natural fit. So Reese is a, a lazy recruiter. He's got a little bit of that Brian Kelly kind of DNA, ego, laziness, or whatever. And lastly, I think these five-star kids, they don't care about Notre Dame. They don't. 
They care about themselves. So we're sitting there going, you're a five-star quarterback. Come play at Notre Dame. You're going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated or whatever, right? They're like, I'm going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated regardless. Build an offense around me. That's what they care about. You understand? Like Drake May, like I'll go down to the UNC quarterback. Like I'll go to UNC and go get in the Heisman contention to be a top 10 pick. I don't have to go to Notre Dame to do that. Hopefully that makes sense, Mike. I think there's three or four factors in play there. And I just think that like with Reese's background, he doesn't get it. What it's going to take to go get one of these special talented. You got to have a lot of humility to go after a five-star kid. That's a potential, you know, top 10 pick in the draft three, four years later. I disagree with everything you just said. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little pissed. Okay. Go for it. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, I've been covering Notre Dame for this is my fourth season, and I remember that you know certain kids earlier, you know, early on in my time covering Notre Dame, Notre Dame, the, the Irish should be after, of course, is under Kelly, and they they want them, and then they don't get them, and it's kind of like ah, we didn't want them anyway, or totally. oh well, if he chose Stanford or um, you know uh, Georgia Tech, you know, whatever college that that's clearly inferior to Notre Dame and football. It's like, well, then he doesn't deserve to play here or he he would never survive here anyways. That's kind of like letting Notre Dame be the recruiting pitch rather than recruiting. Like I re- I, I've been covering no- I, or college football recruiting since I got out of high school. Like th- th- this is the only redeemable skill I have. And I've just kind of picked up YouTube here in the past couple, couple years, but gotten um, great at it too, bro. Gotten great yeah, at it. All I know is recruiting and it's like it's it's really not that hard you if you're the safeties coach at notre dame you're chris o'leary you don't really have to be a good recruiter you just have to work at it that's all you have to do is just work at it because you're cool just by being the safeties coach at notre dame so you just totally work you just have to work at it and that's that's coming i'm in sales for a living you know, I got to walk into a, a dental office. They don't know who I am. Like you, you call the high school coach or you called whoever. It's like, yeah, this is Coach O'Leary from Notre Dame. It's like you're gonna get to, you're gonna talk to whoever you want to talk to. Mike, it's just the way it goes. So you picked Notre Dame. Was it some big? The staff did an amazing job to pull you away from some other school, or oh. was it you just picked Notre Dame for Notre Dame? I picked Notre Dame for Notre Dame, Mike. On my official visit i got ditched my host who will remain nameless ditched me because i didn't like wanna i didn't want to do what they wanted to do i was like uh you know i was a little you know what i'm saying and i got ditched and it's still committed to play there that's how bad i want to go to notre dame so right? that's the mike goolsby's of the world are few and far between it's not that yeah easy. especially at the quarterback position and that's what i'm saying like or and the I'm really saying, good ones, or the really, really good ones. The elite, the elite ones. And yeah. CJ Carr is an amazing player, and I can't wait till he gets here. And I, I mean, I think he's, I think the world of him as a player and as a kid, I really do. I'm very excited for him. But, but I'm just telling you, um, these elite kids, they do not care about Notre Dame. They want to know what is, what is, what is Texas going to do to build an offense around me? You know, what is LA? Car is absolutely an, an, an exception, you know, because he gets it. He gets it. He grew up around the game, like, you know, comes from a you know, good family, all that stuff. Like, 
he gets it. But I mean, that's, that's my knock on it. And, and Mike, folks, I'm saying as much as I can say, right? I'm saying as much as I can say, divulging as much as I can. I'm like trying to walk that line, but that's what it is. That's what it is. It's they're like that. They, and it, like, you could even look at like our linebackers, like I'll, I'll, you know, um, it's like we recruited a certain type of kid with a certain type of background because it was going to be easy. You know, they're fine players. Like Drew White's a fine player. J.B. Bertrand's a fine player, but they're not elite. And it pisses the coaches off. Like it hurts their feelings. Like, ah, they don't want to come to Notre Dame. It's like, well, they might. You got to go recruit them. What about Jalen Sneed? You know, like something like that or Jeremiah Love? Well, there was the relationship with the high school coach there, right? With Jalen Sneed. With Sneed, yeah, that got you in the door. That doesn't win you the recruit, but it's changing. It's changing. But who it's was the lead recruiter? Who's the lead recruiter with Jeremiah Love, Mike? It's Marcus Freeman, right? I mean, technically speaking, the way he's handling that. the recruiting. I'd argue that. So, and because of, well, I mean, Freeman came out and said that I'm going to be the lead recruiter. That wasn't the case with Brian Kelly. No, Brian Kelly's playing golf, folks. Yeah, I don't think Brian Kelly's ever a lead recruiter for anybody, and if he was, it was. Someone else using his phone, Michael. Come on, if he was texting somebody. But seriously, like Jeremiah Love might be one of the most impressive recruiting wins I've seen for Notre Dame covering the Irish. I mean, Texas A&M really wanted him, and we all know what Texas A&M is doing in recruiting lately. So that's a, a very impressive win. And I talked about the receivers. It's hard to get too excited because signing day is still two months away. But I kind of feel the same thing about Love. So we just have to see, wait and see a little bit here. Oh, we've got some great. I mean, and Price Price got hurt, but Jadarian Price looked like sick, dude. You know, like he's going to be a nice little player. So it's, it's going to get better. It's going up. It's going to get better. But if if we want to, if you want an answer as to why the quarterback room in like under Kelly's tenure, like why do we, why have we never had a five star? What go back and rewind it and listen to it again. That's as, as best as I can tell you, and that's my, you know, it's not just a random theory. That's what I believe to be true as to why that is. Yeah. Okay. Um, hey, so- man, I did a good – I think I did a good job staying on track there, bro. You yeah, know, you get a, you working off my host. notes. I tend to ping pong so much. You get a great host. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, do. We, we, we're up at like 900 people watching live with us. So if you just now started watching here – um take a note where you're watching that where you're at now and and make sure you you rewind after we're done and you can watch the beginning because you you miss a lot of good stuff please do hit the thumbs up subscribe augie's locker room that's the the sponsor for this show so please head to their website give them a call augie's locker room.com we are are going to just kind of take super chats for the rest of the show so uh once we get through them we'll uh wrap the show up um uh mike Boylson dropped a super chat and said, no, he's just supporting the broadcast with his. So we, uh, we certainly do appreciate that. Um, Mr. Beef stick um, says he's 30 year old, 30 years old. And he's afraid that he will die before Notre Dame wins a national championship. I guess it depends on how long you're going to live. Mr. Beef stick. If he eats too many beef sticks, won't be long. You got to watch that blood pressure, buddy. But I would say uh, there's other things that 30 years old, I just turned 40 there. Beef stick should focus on other things that need to happen before you die, you know, that you can control. 
Why is that term like control what you only worry about what you can control? Yeah, control what you can control. Yeah. But uh, I want to go. I want to go back to uh, as we're waiting on super chats, what have you, to come in there, Mike. That last drive of the game, right? So we get the ball back two minutes and thirty seconds. We hit Mayor on a crossing pattern, almost dropped the ball. Screen to Diggs, we get a first down. Pine scrambles uh, across the field. So it's at that point, it's second and whatever it was. I forget. Uh, we took a minute off the clock, and we were on the, our own 25-yard line still with no timeouts. So when we go back to, like, execution, Susan had asked that question earlier, is it the players? Like, that last drive, that's entirely on Coach Reese. We have no timeouts. We're on our own 10. We got 90 yards to go. We t- we A minute comes off the clock. We're still doing the check with me thing with the sideline. That's poor preparation. Like, Bill Belichick would – like his his head would explode. The lack of preparation for that scenario going into a game, making two million dollars a year, Coach Reese. Uh, Pine gets sacked. Then we throw a Pine throws a ball behind Michael Mayer, and then we run that stop route on fourth and eight. Like that was how the game ended. Brutal, dude. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Um, and another random note I put. Uh, David Shaw is always on the uh, one of these ESPN or maybe it's NFL Network, the broadcast during the draft. And it used to make sense. And anymore, it just kind of bothers me because I'm like, man, Stanford's not even really relevant anymore. They don't put dudes in the NFL. He's well-spoken. I get it. But like what a it's a tremendous marketing opportunity for Stanford football to have like David Shaw up there. And it's like Marcus Freeman, handsome dude, charismatic. It's like, man, we could have got Marcus Freeman up there you know, for the second round or whatever, analyzing players. And it's just a great marketing opportunity. I'm like, that's well, well, David Shaw might've just bought himself another year, you know, but I mean, I'm just saying general, he, he, he's doing a lot. He does a lot of media rounds. Yeah. Great with the media, not great in post game. I think I'm learning to take Marcus Freeman's post game and he's still learning on the job. Take his post game comments kind of with a grain of salt. He's a, he's, He's not. I, it's just gonna be very politically correct. Not throwing anyone under the bus. Not making any big. Well, I struggle with that, Mike. Headlines. <laughs> um, I do want. I don't want to spend much time on this because I think we could talk about it for a while. But this, the um, where's this comment? This, this scan, the look over and check with me thing. I I loved it when I played. Like that was new when I played in, in high school ball. We would do that. We would line up and and you know they would hold up the board and and have stuff so you you check to a new play. That was great for me because most of my receptions were on what we call dash sale right out of trips. I was the far receiver on the right, and you know if they were playing cover three and they were ten yards off of me because I was just a speedster and you know they they were needed to give me cushion. Completely joking. That we would just always check to this dash right, and they would just throw me this hitch, and I pick up ten yards. So it it works in that sense, but you can't rely on it all damn game, especially in a freaking two minute drive. You can't you you can't do that. So just to know, any any other you cannot do that in a two minute drive. You can't. Yeah, you know there should be there should be a separate there should be a separate script for that two minute drive. You know what I'm saying? It's like okay, these are this is. I, you know, on my play sheet, 
you know, here's my two minute drive play calls, whatever. Like that's the way that should, that should operate. Yeah. Um, it's just another thing he's trying, man. You know, 12 personnel, 22 personnel, 11, 12, five wides. It's just another thing. And it's like, you know, I don't know where it was born out of, you know, and it's not working. Like we're not putting more points on the board. So it's, it's strange to me the, the kids don't seem to be a fan of it. I think it's like a, it's like a, it's a buzzkill in terms of the vibe of the game and the flow of the game. Absolutely. All right. Adam says, do you think, is there a reason coach O has been hanging out at Notre Dame? Mike, can you put a tinfoil hat on? Do you got any, uh, any conspiracies here? Is, is coach O coming to Notre Dame? It'd be an odd fit, but I believe, Adam, the reason that he's around is uh, his boys, his children are trying to get into coaching. So when we saw, I think Coach Coach O made his rounds like during the spring, like he was at more than one school. And I think that's Coach O kind of like glad handing with some coaches and trying to make some inroads for his sons. He's been everywhere. So, and hell, man. He just got a nice little buyout. He's just out there, you know, taking in a Notre Dame game for all I know. But I don't think I wouldn't. Uh, great recruiter. Great recruiter. So um, maybe he brings a little bit of like a cool factor and a little bit of like authenticity to a Notre Dame. But, yeah, I don't think he's going to be on the staff anytime soon. It'd be a weird fit. But I, I'd like I'd be I'd be for it. Go Irish says, how important are things like recent Heisman's and Natty's to recruits? I haven't ever covered a school that had just won a national championship, so I can't say. I did cover Louisville after Marcus uh, Marcus Freeman. Uh, Lamar Jackson won a Heisman. There was a ton of excitement there, but Lamar Jackson was more than a Heisman winner. That dude was an icon. Um, so that was – I mean, you talk to recruits, and when you know – Random kid gets an offer from Louisville two years after uh, Lamar Jackson wins the Heisman. You, ask, I would ask them, "Hey, what do you know about Louisville, Lamar Jackson?" So it's, I think it's a a thing that helps from the branding standpoint. Like right now, if Notre Dame offers a kid who doesn't really know a lot about the Irish, they still know about the tradition, the academics. It could be something to kind of add in there, like, "Oh yeah, that when they had um, Steve Angeli win three straight Heisman's, like that was a big deal." <laughs> okay there it is okay okay um, no, i was just considering yeah. sometimes i'm not even listening to you i'm just trying to think this through i think um i think national championships obviously matter i think just overall relevance matters and i just like that's why this the way this season unfolded is just so shitty because it's like you know with coach freeman and all the things that he brings to the table from like a, a he's just so marketable and like, man, I was like, man, Notre Dame's about to be like legit, you know, um, and that hasn't been the case. But I think overall relevance, I think first round draft picks matter. I think Dodge Hellcats matter, you know, um, <laughs> I think bags yeah. of money matter. Yeah. But like I can, you know, no disrespect to anybody. But like when I was there, they would bring some of the Heisman Trophy winners around, you know, and it's just like they're old men. Right. And like it's just it doesn't resonate with a kid i mean these kids are incredibly selfish in i don't i don't really fault them for that but yeah i think relevance first round draft picks 
matter more so than any like so Notre Dame can be like, dude, we've got the most active players in the NFL. If they weren't a first round draft pick, kids don't care. Got a really when, these, when all these kids think real quick, Mike, too, like yep. when all these kids, and I was guilty of this, when all these kids think about, oh, I want to play in the NFL, they don't envision themselves being a fifth round pick, right? They imagine themselves walking across the stage in, you know, New York or wherever. Um, so that's really what resonates with kids is first round picks and just overall um, relevance. So, yeah. I think this is an interesting one because I've seen this a lot on our loose emoji message board at Blue and Gold. People talking about comparing Freeman to the Willingham era. Um, of course, that was your heyday, Mr. Goolsby. Any thoughts on this comparison? I kind of want to stay away from that. I think that uh, – I think that – I, I, I haven't been around Coach Freeman enough to know. I think that Coach Willingham was a fraud. And well, we, that's not staying away from it. <laughs> well, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to get too into the similarities because I don't know enough about Freeman. But I, I, I don't think that Freeman is as fraudulent as Willingham was and probably still is. I think he's coaching golf at Stanford. He had a couple nice buyouts too, right? Um. But Willingham, one of Willingham's biggest issues was like his staff was bad, like laughably bad. And I don't think that that's the case with Freeman. I think that Willingham was a lazy recruiter. Again, loves golf. I don't think Coach Freeman plays golf. You know, if, if you ever hire a head coach and they play golf, that's like a red flag. I want a head coach that doesn't play golf. Um, so I, I think that Willing, uh, Freeman's a better recruiter. I think he has a better staff. And I think he's a better coach. So, but I can see the similarities. The similarities are born out of Mike, the level of excitement for the hire, right? They're both African-American. I mean, you gotta, you gotta say it, right? So um, that's a thing that's similar, I guess. Um, but I think that Freeman's a much better coach for all the things I just said, recruiting staff, um, just a coach doesn't play golf. I think that Freeman's going to do a much better job. And more importantly, man, we hired Freeman primarily to recruit, you know, and I think that we've probably left coach Reese a little bit unchecked. I don't think there's a lot of like looking over coach Reese's shoulders and that's a respect thing from coach Freeman. Um, but that's probably got to change. Um, but no, I wouldn't make that comparison just yet. I really wouldn't. Okay. Um, Super Chats are uh, still rolling in. Um, which, by the way, Tyron Willingham, 2014, was a member of the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. I can't believe that he was a volunteer coach on the Stanford women's golf team in 2011, but he was doing that. But he has not coached since 2010. Um, so. so he's been unemployed and lives in Palo Alto, California. Not the cheapest place in the world to live. You know? So what was his record at Washington when we, he left Notre Dame? Everybody was up in arms. And I don't he, think he won a game in two years at Washington. Uh, from here, Here's each season from 05 to 08. 2 and 9, 5 and 7, 4 and 9, 0 and 12. 11 and 37 overall. And people were upset when he got fired. Anyways, that's my coach. 
Uh, Beef Sticks back. Beef Sticks says, I'm worried watching the games every Saturday because my wife gives me Freeman's googly eyes. How many years can he give Notre Dame? Five plus ten. Five plus question mark, ten question mark. That was the better way to phrase it. Well, you got to give him um... – Mike, we talked about this, just the human element of all of this. Like he's learning on the fly and Notre Dame is a very difficult place to do that. I'd like to see him stay here. As long as the recruiting classes are coming in and we're retaining those kids, we, we find a different play caller, um, see what CJ Carr, I mean, if CJ Carr or Tyler Buckner, if they turn out, we're, we're, it's a completely different landscape for the next, you know, so many years of his tenure. But I don't know what I'm going to be doing in five years, Mike. I can't answer what Freeman's going to be doing. You feel me? Hopefully I'm covering, you know, four straight number one recruiting classes for the Irish. Yeah, man. And uh, we're doing this show until we're 60. Where you already agreed on that. Or till you're 60, you've got a little, you've got a few years on me. So how about till you're 60? Yeah, it's 20 years from now. <laughs> Can you commit? I'm going to be doing it in a tiny house, like a real tiny house when I'm 60. <laughs> in the woods somewhere. Mike Nolan says, were the last two-minute decisions on the offensive coordinator or quarterback had guys running deep or quarterback looks mare with defense dropping 7-8, last play had Styles open behind Thomas? Were the last two-minute decisions on OC or quarterback had guys running deeper? Um. Last play had Styles. Yeah, I think that Styles. So let's start with the last play. Um, I think there might have been like a little bit of a bust because those two, the spacing on those two routes, it was wonky. It didn't look right to me. But yeah, Styles was open. Ironically, Mayer wasn't on the play on the field for that fourth and eight. I went back and watched like three really? times. I think that to the there was a single isolated tight end to Stanford sideline and i believed it was uh, i believe it was Mitch Evans based off the way that they were dressed Mitch Evans wears like a sleeve on his leg so Mayer wasn't on the field for that fourth and eight um but going back to what we talked about earlier like whose fault is it is the quarterback or is the OC that's on the OC because there was no script we weren't prepared for that scenario i mean folks we, it took us a, we had two and a half minutes left on the clock. It took us a full minute to go 15 yards. Yeah. So that's, that's on the offensive coordinator. And I, again, I don't think, I don't think Reese trusts Pine to push a ball 50 yards downfield. So that's what we tend to do is guys go vertical and then you'll have some sort of like a crosser. Everybody just runs the safeties off and you've got a crosser underneath, which tends to be, a mayor and it's been uh it was Jaden thomas last week so if we can't do that he runs stop routes but i mean i think those in breaking working in the middle of the field we've been talking about this since last year you got to work the middle of the field that's the easiest throw for a quarterback to make is any anything in breaking so hopefully that changes sure um we'll say fair folks who maybe you just started tuning in here in the past 10 minutes or so um after we're done we're only going to go a couple more minutes um, we would love for you to. That's that singer's that's that singer's call, folks. Not mine. I'll be here all night. I, mean, I got things to do. I'm just busting your balls. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's my train of thought there, Gulls. We yeah. Please rewatch. We 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 covered a ton of good stuff, and and you know just it's it's we haven't really even touched on the defense much. It's really just been about Reese Pine and. <laughs> <laughs> 
and Freeman, but that's what people want to talk about. But we've well, got a couple it's same old, yeah, it's it's same old, same old on defense. But also, if you rewatch it, hit the like button. We're trying to grow yeah. this thing. Yes, please do. That's what that's what I was. And calling. I think the bigger this thing gets, the more resources we get. I can finally get out of my tiny house. <laughs> you know, get a little studio or something. I you know I don't I don't live in a tiny house, but it's just the way the top floor of the house is. But uh, yeah, defense is same old, same old. I thought the defensive line played great. Um, played really hard. I think schematically our linebackers, it's just, it's off. I don't really put it on them. Marist, you know, he's had four tackles this week. Bertrand played hard. No tip passes, no interceptions. It's more of the same. One sack. Isaiah Foskey, again, he's like, dude's playing hard. He just doesn't get to the quarterback. Uh, Riley Mills played excellent. I thought uh, Chris Smith played freaking great. I thought Gabe Rubio played freaking great. Um. So the the and I, I even thought our I thought our coverage our corners were played really really well. I mean they just made some fantastic catches, but they played really well. I thought Xavier Watts screwed up on we we're playing that uh, forget what you know second quarter or something. Clarence Lewis was playing slot. He gave up like a skinny post. That's on X Watts. He's still learning. It looked like we we're in cover four, and he cheated over to the number one receiver. But at the end of the day, Mike. Like when you're in these, like we're it's we're going into halftime, we're down ten to nothing. Like the defensive players, to me, like you're sitting in your locker at halftime, like I gotta make a play. Something, some, something's got to give here. So I gotta, I gotta make a play, and nobody ever really seems to on the defensive side of the ball take it upon themselves to like change the way the game's playing out. So, all right, two super chats, Mr. Goolsby from Cole it says, do you? So you kind of thought you said earlier in the show you don't think Reese is going to be here next season. Mm-hmm. But Cole asked, "Do you believe that Reese should be replaced?" He said, "That kind of that that kind of sounds like the feeling I'm getting from you." Um, that's, that's yeah, I would I would say so. I mean, yes. Why? I think it needs to be a mutual split because 23 points a game ain't, ain't gonna cut it. It ain't gonna cut it. And like I said, I mean the, the the quarterback recruiting, the you know the recruiting in general. And he's like, it's just a weird tie to Brian Kelly. You know, like I don't know how to explain that. Like I can't come up with a, a clever analogy, but like, you know, you you played for and coached underneath Brian Kelly, and you're still here. It's just awkward. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he should. I think he should be gone after this year, and I think it'll be a mutual thing. And I think Coach Reese, he's making two million dollars a year. I think he'll be just fine. He'll land right on his feet somewhere. John says, "Get a haircut here Tuesday." I'm telling you guys, when you see me on that live show Wednesday night with uh, Tim Hyde, I'll be a new man. You're not going to be a new man until you get rid of that goatee, bro. You don't like the goatee, huh? Just go full beard. I can't. Well, I did shave the other day, but I, yeah, it, it's it's patchy. It's very disappointing. Let's, yeah. I know. Where are we at, Mike? Anything else going on? Yeah, I mean, these people are keeping the the show alive with the super chat, so we do appreciate. It. Hey, Mike, uh, if you well, let's uh, go then. You, Rapid fire. All right, appreciate super the super sticker. sticker, but I don't see a comment. So if you got one, go ahead and uh, drop it. Uh, Wicked Bronco production. My man is back. I still have faith in Freeman. I will put more blame on Reese. 
get a guy like the offense coordinator from TCU or some high-powered offense if recruiting keeps up the way it is. I have faith in a, a national championship. Hashtag don't miss Brian Kelly. I would agree entirely. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not questioning Freeman. And again, if, if Freeman wasn't a world-class recruiter, I would have a different sentiment. But he's learning on the fly, and I do think that he probably put too much trust into Coach Reese and he probably respected Coach Reese too much, and they're both young coaches making their way, cutting their teeth, and it'd be a weird dynamic if he was checking Coach Reese. Um, and Coach Reese, in a way, did him a solid by staying as opposed to going to LSU. So the whole thing's a little messy, like when you get into, like again, the human element of it. But I think, yeah, I think it'll be a mutual breakup, and Coach Reese will probably end up in the NFL. I, and, and God bless him. You know, I'm, I'm rooting for him. But it's just – it's not working. You're not scoring enough points. Man, I don't think we've ever had an hour and 16-minute show, but we are not slowing down. Fire away, <laughs> man. All right. F. Mary Kill. Weiss Holtz Freeman. Mike, you don't have to entertain this if you don't want to. Beef stick, you're killing me, man. Um Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Sorry, beef stick. Appreciate the super chat, though. You got to laugh at a singer. Uh, John says Reese is still not out of me. Home. Grow up, dude. Not out of me. <laughs> Poor beef stick. <laughs> you made me laugh, beef stick. Uh, Jonathan says it's embarrassing. You're thirty years old, beef stick. Grow up. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you're thirty, beef stick. Uh, o line's terrible. He says we haven't really talked about the O line either. Um, because I'm pretty sure all, all the O-line's faults are really just pines. Uh, but he says can't, con can't convert a third or fourth and one, unacceptable. I don't – I mean, I – I was texting Tim Hyde this. I mean, there's a lot of bad football in college. Like, you know, and I know a little bit about football, right? It's just like, man, this is bad football, whether it's Notre Dame or any other kind of random game that you turn on with the exception of, like, you know, the, the, and that was another thing. You you turn off the Bama-Tennessee game and you turn on this dumpster fire. Yeah. And it was just like, what a stark contrast. And it was – it shows you how how far you got to go. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, if I was Coach Reese, yeah, me personally, I would feel a little bit of guilt in terms of like, yeah, this is – you're stealing from the program, <laughs> you know. I mean, pay me $2 million to go be the OC at Notre Dame. I won't sleep all week, you know. And I'd just be, you know, I'd be, you know, what an opportunity. So, <laughs> oh, God. oh, man. Average Joe, did Swarbrick undercut Freeman by hiring Reese, then consulting him on the head coach hire? Should Notre Dame admin bring in former head coach to get Freeman through learning curve ASAP? Well, Freeman hired Al Golden, who's a former head coach. Um, I don't. Do I don't think he undercut him. I think that. Yeah. I think Swarbrick probably was trying to find some stability. Um, you know, because again, this is a lot of recruiting. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty when a coach like dips out unceremonious, like unceremoniously, like Coach Kelly did. So I could understand why Jack Swarbrick would want to lock in Reese just to get some stability. I I, I believe that to be the case, but. I don't like to get into some of that stuff. 
Yeah, I think it's just so just making crap up. I mean, how do we know that Freeman was not a part of Reese, even if they announced Reese before? I mean, we know Notre Dame's hiring process can be slow, so I I don't know. Again, it's... it's, it's Do appreciate the Super Chat average, Joe. Yeah, it's it's year one. You've got a backup quarterback that's five foot nine. I mean, it ain't gonna be pretty, but again, it's like the offense is if we just stick, if we're gonna score twenty-three points a game, let's just do it on the ground and a few play action shots. Um, and we've got a I think enough talent at the wide receiver position that a a guy can get loose once or twice a game. Now can our quarterback get him the ball? remains to be seen all right mike had a super chat here's his question with it should we be playing more freshmen um this year to get them experience yeah yeah absolutely cool all right all right this is last one this this is it appreciate everybody my cat just came in here and he he, i can I, i know his face he wants food that's the face he always has but whatever Beefstick says, I want to make Goolsby laugh, judging by how immature I am. I should probably just love my wife and, and feed my son. Have a good night. I think with that, we're going to sign off. Beefstick, appreciate the, the support tonight. Everybody, fun show, lively show. Again, if you're just now um, tuning in here recently, we usually don't get as silly as we have in the past 10 minutes or so. Um, so just go ahead and rewind. Watch the beginning. Uh, if you're listening back via podcast, appreciate you. If you're watching back via YouTube and you stuck around to uh, an hour and 20 minutes and you are a dedicated uh, Mike Goolsby show fan. So we do appreciate it. Hit that thumbs up before we get out of here. Hit the thumbs up. Would you already? All right, Mike, up. you got, you got 10 seconds. Um, Matthew, appreciate the super chat. <laughs> Our team just looked happy to be there. How can the energy be so flat? Thousands would give their left arm to play for Notre Dame football. I, when we figure out that answer, I mean, Notre Dame might win a national championship, but there, it's just something about it's something about Notre Dame Stadium. It's a mix of the weather can be tough. The fans aren't great. Fans aren't great. Dang. Fans aren't great. I mean, I played <laughs> at Tennessee, that same stadium that you saw the Bama game. I played there, a night game, 107,000 drunk rednecks blows Notre Dame Stadium out of the water. Blows them out of the water. I mean, it, it's, they're in completely different stratospheres in terms of a game day environment. Completely different. So that's some of that's on the fan base, and they can come for me. Don't care. Um, that's part of it. Uh, and sometimes I think that's why we, we play better on the road. Uh, but that was a night game, so it's, it's tough. And then the other element is, you know, these teams that they come in here <laughs> – and a team, a team like a Stanford, it's a perfect example. Like, they're high academic kids. Notre Dame probably didn't recruit 99% of these kids, and they got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Um, and uh, teams, teams play, they just play up when they come into the stadium. And sometimes we play a little bit flat, and it's been a bad mix, you know? All right, I let's get out of here. I'm t- I'm t- Beef Sticks Band, by the way. Get a new name. It's my show, B-Stick. Get out of here. (laughs) All right, everybody. Appreciate it. Signing off, Mike Goolsby, Mike Singer. We'll catch you next Sunday.